Good morning, brothers and sisters. It is good to be here again this morning. Before I, I jump into the message, I did have uh, one thing I forgot to talk to Ray about, but chatted with Tony this morning, and please lift up Roger and Becky and the orphanage in Mexico. It's one of the big drug cartels. Uh, one of the leader's sons was caught, I think, by the government, and now the cartel is reacting to that with violence. So they are going through many towns, burning buses, vehicles, and responding with violence in effort to uh, get their comrade back. So just uh, lift up Roger and Becky, the orphanage. A couple there at the orphanage was going to have a baby, and she went into labor right around this time. So she is currently at the hospital, and they're not sure how she's going to get back to the orphanage compound. So a lot of unrest. So just lift them up in prayer for peace and that God would rule and reign in that. Let's start off this morning by singing a verse of Open the Wells of Salvation. Lord, I am fondly, earnestly longing. Lord, I am fondly, earnestly longing into thy holy likeness to grow, thirsting for more and deeper communion, yearning thy love more fully to know. Open the kind of summarize my prayer for this morning, that God would draw us closer to him, holy likeness to grow, thirsting for more and deeper communion. So that summarizes the theme of the message this morning. Imagine if you're on your way to church and um, coming the other way, somebody decides that they don't want to stay on the right, right side of the road. I want to drive on the left side. How would have you reacted? Do you swerve in the ditch? Do you swerve to the left? What do you do? You ever go through those thoughts in your mind? What would you do if a car was in your lane coming right towards you? Life would be a little chaotic if we got to choose whatever side of the road we wanted to drive on. Or if there was no speed limit and we could just drive however fast we wanted. And again, Tristan, wouldn't that be kind of cool? Yeah, no speed limit. We need those boundaries to keep us, to keep life in order. Otherwise, life would get chaotic. I, another illustration I wanted to bring this morning is, actually, Terrell, you have your little son, don't you? Could you please come forward? I checked earlier, and your wife was not back. As we, I think this is the newest member of our, of our congregation, you can just stand here. Chase, right? Mr. Chase was born a couple weeks ago to Terrell. What's the difference between Chase and Terrell? <laughs> we could maybe start numbering a couple things. 
But that's where Terrell came from. He too was once a little baby. Babies are a wonderful blessing. And in them we see the beauty of God bringing life to the world. And as we look at Terrell and his son Chase, Chase is not going to get to Terrell tomorrow. He's not going to get to that same state tomorrow. It's going to take years. It's going to take days of growth. And as Chase gets older, he's going to have choices to make. Is he going to eat? He's going to have to eat to be like his dad, to get as strong like his dad. He's going to have to do small steps throughout his life to continue to grow. So as you look around at the congregation this morning and often, look at the baby and their parents. The difference and the growth that needs to take place to get to the point where we are. Growth is needed in your life and in mine. Thank you, Terrell. Most people perform at 20% of their capability was something I heard recently. Most people only perform at 20% of their capability. Therefore, there is a need for us to grow. And this is something I've been thinking about recently. I think I shared it here, that we need to grow. And it's the small steps. And as we jump into 2 Peter, that is the first thing that comes up. And that is growth. And growth is not always easy. But this morning, I want, I want us to see the need for growth so our lives are characterized by diligence. Diligence is our key word for this morning. And I've entitled the message, Grow in Diligence. So turn with me to 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 1. As we look at the book of 2 Peter, I had to think back to 1 Peter. We wrapped that up, I think it was back in November. Uh, what was our theme as we went through 1 Peter? We have a lively hope. And I find it very interesting that uh, the, the bulletin had that verse of living stones that we are in Christ. So as we went through 1 Peter, we saw a lively hope. Do you remember who the audience was? Or the recipients, I should say. The persecuted church. Actually, we looked at 1 Peter in our Sunday school lesson this morning. It is, was Peter addressed his letter there to the persecuted church scattered abroad. 1 Peter was focused on the physical hardship that the church was facing, the persecution that was coming in. And he kept reminding them that they have a lively hope in Christ and to face that persecution with courage and confidence that Christ is on their side. I don't know what the time frame is between 1 Peter and 2 Peter, but sometime later, he again addresses the church at large. And in this case, he is addressing internal hardship. There was many cases of false teachers, false teaching that was going around. And he wrote 2 Peter as a way to address those issues. And a theme that I want us to see as we go through 2 Peter is growth amid temptation. Growth amid temptation. So not quite as easy as our theme for 1 Peter was, but growth amid temptation. 
as we look at Peter addressing the internal hardships that come. The antidote to anything false is growth. Apostasy, or falseness could I say, comes on the plateau. Apostasy comes on the plateau. That's something we're going to be coming back to. So, as we go into 2 Peter, he is addressing this to the church for internal hardship that they were facing. And if you're with me at 2 Peter, he opens up uh, with a greeting, and we're going to look at verses 1 to 11 this morning, which is looking at growth. Growth in faith may be the title of your uh, passage. Then we're going to look at the importance of Scripture in the second part of chapter 1. And then chapter 2 is addressing the false teaching that was arising in the church. Then chapter 3, he ends it by looking at the Lord's coming. So it's a very short book. We're probably going to take four or five messages to look at this short book. Looking at diligence and growth, looking at the scripture, dangers of false teaching, and looking at the Lord's return. So that's a little idea of where we're headed. Now I would like to take the time to read our section of verses for this morning. So jumping in at 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Simon Peter a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained light precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of, our Jesus, and of Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power hath given us unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness." Through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And besides this, giving all diligence, there's our key word, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance and to temperance, patience, and to patience, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind, and he cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from our sins. Wherefore the rather, brethren... Give diligence to make your calling and election sure, for if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. For so entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And with that, we will stop, and we're going to look and dive into this section of Scripture as Peter opens up his letter to the church scattered at large. Uh, first thing we see is he lists his name as Simon Peter. If you turn back to 1 Peter, he just uses Simon. And I find this interesting. Anybody know what Peter means? Rock. What does Simon mean? It means hearer. So he was just a hearer. So back in 1 Peter, he just lists himself as Simon. And then he comes to, to 2 Peter here and he says, Simon Peter. 
There is a change here in Peter. There's a growth that we see. And if you think back to Peter's life, I think the first message I had on 1 Peter, I had a picture illustrating Peter walking on the water. And we had a little children's lesson, and we looked at the different things that Peter, or how Peter responded to Jesus throughout his ministry. And Simon was one who always hearing, and he always acted like he was strong, but he often slunk back and didn't carry through. However, Jesus came to him and said, your name is going to no longer be called Simon, but Peter, and you're going to be the rock. There was growth in Peter's life. As he walked with Jesus, Peter grew into the rock. And now he calls himself, he recognizes who he is in Jesus, Simon Peter, the hearer and the rock, a servant and an apostle. It amazes me that as I look back and read from the apostles, again and again, they refer themselves as servants. They're just slaves. They're recognizing their position under God. I want to listen to a person who has that mentality, servant, slave under Jesus. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith, If I was to ask what the definition of obtained means, what would you say? And I always kind of uh, used obtained as something that I got, or maybe put an effort to get. I obtained it. However, obtained here is more under the connotation of received. And brothers and sisters, I want to bring us to a truth. Those of you who have accepted Jesus' call in your life and are now a Christian... You all, all you had to do was open your hands and receive the gift of salvation. It was nothing that you did and nothing that you ever will do will save you. Remember that truth. That is how Peter starts off here. To them that obtained, received this precious faith. Peter often, uh, one of his favorite words was precious. He often referred to the faith, the salvation was precious. Just think of something precious to you. And kind of use that as an illustration to to think how Peter was trying to illustrate this. Precious faith. To them that have tamed like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. I'm a servant and I'm talking to all of you who are saved. Not by yourself, but what Jesus did for you. I would like to count myself as one of those. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. How many want grace and peace to characterize your life? Yeah, I want grace and peace. I want peace. We thought we hear what's going on in Mexico. I want peace. We don't like turmoil. We don't like turmoil in our lives. We want grace and peace. And Peter here is saying, grace and peace be multiplied to you. What's what's 10 plus 10? 20. What's 10 times 10? 100. There's a difference between addition and multiplication. It compounds. Therefore, here Peter is saying, grace and peace not just be added to you, but let it be multiplied. Let it abound in you. And how are we going to get peace and grace? What does it say? Through the knowledge. Ah, learning is good. Students, learning is good. That's what Peter says here. Through knowledge, 
is when the grace and peace is going to come. Sometimes I go through the Christian life and I, I think that praying will bring me grace and peace. And while that may be true, coming to a state of recognition that God is in control does bring peace. Peter does not say you go through your Christian life just praying that God gives you grace and peace. No, you got to know God through the knowledge of God. How many of you know God? That's a scary question to raise your hand on. We don't fully know God, but we can under, start to understand him. He reveals himself to us. So are you seeking to know God? Or are you just content with where you are? An interesting thing about the word knowledge here is it comes from a root, root word meaning toward. Peter is trying to illustrate that as a Christian, we are to point our hearts toward God. A heart that is moving in the direction of. When our heart is moving in the direction of, that is when we will know God. A good book to read on that would be A.W. Tozer's Knowledge of the, Knowledge of the Holy. I, uh, the title slipping me. Knowledge of the Holy, I think, is the title of it. A very good description writing on knowing God, seeking the knowledge of God. We'll never fully understand the knowledge of God. Uh, a couple electricians here this morning. If I was to ask you to define electric to me, or what is electricity, what would you say? i got a bunch of electricians. Andrew, Nate, Dennis. What's electrons? Protons, except they have the absence of? What's a charge? It's electricity, right? Little story. So there was a, a minister who was speaking, I think at an event in New Jersey, and he gave a, a story about a professor was in a science class teaching, and he was fighting uh, some students who were falling asleep on him. And he said, Mr. Smith, would you please stand up? Mr. Smith groggily stands up, and he says, could you please define electricity? And a kind of bewildered look comes over Mr. Smith's face, and he says, ah, Professor, I knew it right before class. Yes, I knew the definition of electricity, but it has slipped to me now. The professor put his face in his, his head in his hands, and he said, Wow, Mr. Smith, this is such a shame that only you and, knew, you and God knew what electricity was, and now you forgot. Minister uh, leaves the event, and he's riding with somebody who was there listening, and a young man says, uh, Sir, I'm glad none of my college friends were here. Huh, why is that? Well, you said that nobody understands electricity in your illustration. Well, I do. Oh, I see. So do you understand electricity? Yes. It is exactly what uh, Alex said, the flow of electrons. Okay, great. So what's electrons? A uh, sheepish look came over the young man's face. Uh, particles that are charged with electricity. And a child knows you cannot define a word by itself. Electricity is something that we cannot, nobody has fully understood. However, Dennis, Nate, Andrew, they have worked with electricity, therefore they have seen more on how it works. They understand it. That's what keeps the lights running. 
They understand it more, but they will never fully be able to describe electricity. That is an illustration of how God is. We can seek to understand him. Our experiences in life help us to understand and to know God. But we will never get to the place where we can say, I know God. My point is, in the knowledge of God, a heart that is bent to understanding him, to knowing him, will bring grace and truth. Knowledge of God will bring grace and peace and the truth. This first section of verses, I see, I have have three points here this morning, and the first one is remarkable resources. Peter is stating remarkable resources that we have, going back to verse 1, those who are saved. First of all, we see here grace and peace. Then we see the knowledge of God that comes when we seek him. In verse 3, we move on to divine power. How many like power? Yeah, we like to be powerful. Peter says, you who are saved, he has given you the power, his divine power, to do what? To do everything you need to in life. Unto all things that pertain unto life and godliness. I don't know about you, but sometimes I ask where that power is. God, how am I going to do it? God has given you that power through the knowledge of him. And again, it goes on to say, through the knowledge of him that hath called us. It's through knowing him that he gives us the power to do everything we need to in life. That gives us courage and power. The next uh, resource that he gives us, that Peter uh, talks about, portrays, is the end of verse 3. Through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. Brothers and sisters, Jesus calls us to himself. And it's beautiful. His persona, his person, attracts us as humanity. We see that. It says, through glory and virtue. We are attracted to something perfect, to glory, to virtue, to things that are right. We as humans are attracted to that moral excellence per se. And Jesus is that. And we see that. I think Peter understood that very well. Remember that time when he was with Jesus and he says, Jesus, depart from me. Why? I'm not even worthy to be in your presence. In that moment, Peter recognized that Jesus was an amazing example to to live up to. He didn't even feel worthy being in his presence. Do you have that same feeling towards God? Wanting to just know him so much, but saying, I'm not even worthy to be there. It's interesting, Thomas Jefferson uh, appreciated the life of Jesus. He was attracted to the life of Jesus, but he did not believe that Jesus' miracles were true. So what he did, he went through the Gospels and he cut out all the miracles. And he just read about the stories of Jesus. Because it was such a neat story. Jesus was just, he was attracted to Jesus. But he didn't bring the two together. And I would have a lot of questions for Thomas Jefferson. If you admire a man, how can a man you admire lie? Therefore, his miracles aren't true, but yet you admire him? A lot of questions there. But even Thomas Jefferson himself was attracted to the life of Jesus. And you talk to most people, they'll admit that. They'll admit, yeah, Jesus was a good man. But they don't stoop so low or stoop down and humble themselves as much to say, yes, I need to surrender to him. 
going back to what I'm saying, the, the resource that he's given us is he calls us to himself. That's a gift. Don't take it for granted. Turn our hearts towards him. The next thing he gives us is promises in verse 4. Whereby, and he's continuing to speak back to those who are saved through this, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. If I'd asked you what your favorite verse of the Bible is, what would you say? I hope we could shout off many. As we go through the Bible, there's many promises. Let me just list a few for you. Philippians 4, 7. The peace of God which passes, passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Hebrews 13, 5. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Psalm 34. But those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. That's just a couple. We could go on and on. The promises that God has towards us, and especially those verses in context, mean so much to us as little Christ, as Christians. A resource that we have in salvation is the promises of God. We're also partakers of the divine nature in the middle of verse 4. Wow. That's something to get around. The nature of God can be in us. That's what Peter is saying. Through the, the divine nature, we can be partakers of that. And because of that divine nature, we can escape the things of the world, the lusts of the world that want to entice us away from God. So Peter starts off by listing the resources that we have in salvation. We're saved. We got resources. Life is good. Imagine if a millionaire without children met up with an orphan boy and says, Sir, I see you're not in a place to get a further education. I didn't have any children. I would like to pay your way through school. What does the orphan boy need to do? He said, oh, great. Send me to school. Party it up. That orphan boy needs to act on the gift that he has been given. He needs to apply himself at the school he goes to and learn. Otherwise, it's to no avail. Brothers and sisters, that same way, these promises, these resources that we have in salvation are useless if we don't follow through with growing. And our second point for this morning is a reasonable response. And Peter lists these great resources, wonderful, amazing resources that we have through salvation. But he says, beside all this, give all diligence. Here's where we get our, here's where we get our title from. Grow in diligence. What's diligence? Tremendous effort. Not giving up, sticking at it, the little things, one at a time. Peter says, in all diligence, add to your faith. So it starts with faith. We are not doing these next things, virtue, knowledge. We're not pursuing that to be saved. We are doing that out of our salvation. Don't get that wrong. I'll come back to that in a minute. These qualities don't add to faith, but are supplied through faith. And then Peter goes on and lists seven principles that are needed in a Christian life. And maybe they could go along with the Sunday school lesson this morning in brotherhood. Add to your faith virtue. What's virtue? Moral courage to do what is right. How many want moral courage to stand for what is right? We all do. And to virtue... 
And to to virtue, add knowledge. So again, we have this knowledge coming up. Seeking to learn more. Understanding we don't know it all. And wanting to know more. And add to knowledge temperance. And to temperance, or maybe we could define temperance as self-control. We talked a little bit about that this morning. Self-control, learning to exercise restraint on our fleshly wants and desires. Perseverance. Uh, and, to, and to temperance, patience. Patience, just waiting. And then to patience, godliness. Being like God. Pursuing him. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. Getting along with our brotherhood. And to brotherly kindness, charity. Agape love, we could say. How many have these seven principles in your life? I sure hope there's glimpses of them. Brothers and sisters, out of our faith, we need to give due diligence to make sure that to to pursue, to grow these seven principles to your life. Are you doing that? Am I doing that? It's not a once and done. It's a continual growth. That's the reasonable response. Then let's move on to the realistic results. What happens when we are saved? And out of our faith, we act, or we pursue knowledge of God, and out of that comes these beautiful virtues of knowledge, temperance, patience, godliness. Imagine if all of these qualities were a description of each one of us. Wow. That's possible. God gives us the power, as Peter says. When that is the case, verse 8, for if these things be in you and abound... Do you ever try to measure how much faith you have or knowledge or patience? You ever look at other people and say, eh, they have some patience. Or even look at myself, man, I wonder really how much patience I have. This abounding here is without measuring. So continue in these without comparing, without measuring. When we start comparing, we lose sight of the end goal. Don't compare and don't measure. Just keep on at it. Diligence is what Peter is trying to say. When these things are in you and abound, you're not measuring them, you're not calculating them, they make you that you won't be barren, nor unfruitful in the knowledge of God. When you have these qualities, you're going to be worth something. I think it was last sermon we looked at Simeon and Anna, and I asked the question at the end of your life, what do you want to be? If you pursue the knowledge of God and pursue these virtues You're going to be worth something. You're going to be fruitful. And if you don't, but he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. If you don't say diligent in your Christian walk, brothers and sisters, you're going to be blind and you're going to err. Are you diligent in pursuing the knowledge of God. What happens when we don't? There's short-sightedness and blindness. Chaos versus cosmos. What's cosmos? I would define cos... I, I would have called cosmos uh, the universe, right? I often use that, heard that term as described to think the universe. But in the universe, things are put in order. Cosmos is order. 
So there's a difference between chaos and cosmos. A lack of discipline brings chaos. A lack of diligence brings chaos. And you know what? Diligence takes management. Managing your life well. How many have stress? I'm raising my hand first so you're safe. Or had stress in their life. We're stressed. I think every hand would go up if we're honest. Do you know what happens? Do you know what stress is a result of? Life without management. Ouch. I read that and I said, oh. I hear the term and I say it a lot. Oh, I feel a little stressed. Maybe it comes because your life is not managed. And that might be a little unfair because I know things come that you don't plan for. I, I, I get that. But if your life is managed well, no matter what comes, you will be at a place of acceptance, of surrender to whatever happens. Chaos, contention, and calamity come when there's stress. Procrastination is a result. Maybe you react and respond to your moods that you're feeling. Eh, that's a sign of mismanagement. When you let outside controls to control you, things that are happening to control how you feel, that brings stress. The world has approached efficiency through the industrial revolution by looking at time. And they say you manage time. That's when the factories came along and the assembly lines, everything was managed down to a second. And if you look at the family cheaper by the dozen, he managed everything down to a second. That's why he was able to have so many children. The world's approach to managing is focused on the time and being efficient. And while there's, there's some good things in that, back when it first started in the early 1900s, they were still focused on character. Personal character mattered. Now that is switched to personality. As long as you put a smile on your face. You'll make everybody happy around you. If you find out what people want, make them happy, then they'll follow you. Those are some things that come out of trying to manage everything around you. But wisdom principles of management, of managing your life, look at these virtues of knowledge, temperance, patience, godliness. And as we look at our life, we have a carnal nature. We are bent towards, can I say mismanagement? That's how we're bent. Jeremiah 13.23 says, Can an Ethiopian change his skin color? Can a leopard change his spots? Right, so we know, of course not. Then it goes on to say, The same way you are not going to change overnight. Don't expect to take care of all your problems overnight. But it is going to be a continual diligence is when you're going to be successful. And again, Peter brings out the word diligence. And that's what I want to point us to this morning, is diligence. Pride blinds our eyes to do something different. We can't see any need for change. We come stuck in a rut. And sometimes we need a viewpoint shift. I'm, I, I would, I'm sure some of us among us this morning have had a near-death experience. Maybe some of us know those who have. That changes your viewpoint. It does, and it should. Therefore, we, 
as humans, we need those viewpoint shifts. And it is important that as we go through life, we ask God to, to give us those viewpoint shifts. What is important in life? To look beyond the money and the, our houses and whatever it may be, our jobs, and look to what's important. We need a viewpoint shift to stay diligent to pursue these virtues. Let's wrap up with verse 10 and 11. Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. In this verse, a lot of people grapple with. What does it mean? Does it mean you've got to continue being saved? And I think in a sense it does. We are saved by faith. Going back to verse 1, we reach out and accept the gift. But we've got to continue out of that with diligence pursuing God. So that's why Peter says, rather, brethren, give diligence. Make your calling and election sure. Know that you're saved by pursuing these things. And that's when grace and peace will come. When you do these things, the end of verse 10, you shall never fall. That's my prayer. To be at the place that I won't fall. For so an entrance shall, not be, shall be ministered unto you abundantly into everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So this morning... We saw Peter inviting us to grow in diligence. He presented remarkable resources that, hap- that come. He presented a response, a way that we are supposed to respond. He uh, addressed the results of when we respond well. May we go from here growing in diligence. And what's our reward? It's hard to be diligent. Do you ever get tired? Yeah, we get tired. But stay at it. Stay diligent. That's when we will experience the real knowledge of God and experience grace and peace in our lives. The story is told of a missionary who was on, in Africa for many years, I think 40 or 50 years. He's on a boat coming back to the U.S. with Teddy Roosevelt. They land in uh, California, and they roll out the red carpet for Mr. Teddy Roosevelt what was he coming home from? A hunting trip. If you know Teddy Roosevelt, he liked his hunting trips to Africa. This old missionary turned to his wife with hurts and maybe some tears in his eyes. He says, honey, where's our welcome home party? All Teddy went was for a hunting trip and look at his welcome. We've given our lives and nobody's here to greet us. His wife puts her arm around him, gently looks him in the eyes and says, Honey, we're not home yet. Brothers and sisters, stay diligent. Pursue the knowledge of God. Don't ever think you've reached a plateau. And ask yourself, ask God, I should say, to show you what those changes might need, might mean. And remember, while life might, it might get tired, keep pursuing a life of diligence, growing in diligence of pursuing God. That's when the grace and peace will come. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the book of Second Peter. And thank you that Peter was able to walk with you. And out of that experience, he addressed some things that we need to think about. Reminding us that we are saved only because of you. 
Out of that, we have resources, abundant resources to live the life that you have called us to. And out of that, we need to respond with diligence. And may a result be that we get to enter heaven one day. And may you say to us, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Help us to be diligent in the here and the now. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand and sing a verse of, again, of the verse we sang at the beginning, Open the Wells of Salvation.